Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. And now, Geico's saving stories. Russell Burton closed his laptop, having just switched his car insurance to Geico. He didn't think much of it until... Savings were everywhere. My pockets, uh, wallet, bank accounts. It was like the savings were following me. Following, indeed. All because of an innocent 15 minutes on Geico.com. I feel like I'm never alone. Geico. Spend 15 minutes and 15% or more in savings could be following you. Me. And she's a rock around, rock around, that's right on 
KIRP radio show. KRP stands for Keeping It Real with Pudgy Miller. This is your guest host, Rocco P. Last Friday nights of the month. Yes, we're almost done with June. Tonight, I will be discussing the TSA, the Transportation Security Agency. And in the promo to the show, I wrote under President Donald J. Trump, the power of the TSA has continued to expand. The TSA took control of airport security after 9-11. Well, TSA was, was, uh, was basically uh, originated, came into existence after 9-11 as part of DHS. DHS also uh, was created after 9-11. The public was told that due to the terrorist attacks of 9-11, the government had to directly control airport security. Prior to 9-11, airport security was handled by private companies. And I posed a few questions. What has the TSA done? That's no controversy to discuss that. We'll talk about that tonight. What has the TSA done? Uh, what have they done uh, in response to any criticisms? And that's uh, yeah, it's kind of up to debate a little bit. Uh, and then what's being planned or what additional powers would TSA gain? Somewhat speculative. And finally, are we now safer? That could the last question be answered objectively. Uh, what has the TSA done and why has the TSA done what, what they've done? The second one is subjective. Why has the TSA done what they've done? If you want to chime in, uh, please give me a call. I will get you on the air. Uh, that number is 619-638-8559, When uh, When you discuss certain issues, uh, sometimes people react emotionally one way or the other. And if you've listened to me before in general, uh, I'm not going to take either a right or a left position. Uh, I tend to be constitutional or philosophical libertarian. Uh, some people throw that word around. I'm not associated with the Libertarian Party. I see the Libertarian Party pretty much just as corrupt as the Democrats and Republicans. Uh, no apologies there to any Libertarian Party listeners. Uh, that's just the way I see it. But the Libertarian philosophy, the non-aggression, non-aggression principle, the NAP, and uh, basically you could say that's uh, it's come somewhat biblical. Uh, the Bible says, you know, do unto others as you have them do unto you. And an extrapolation or application of that in really the social and political realm would be the government should only, in terms of you know, the government as a social contract, theoretically, theoretically the government derives its power from the people, and that's not true. I said that's, that's theoretically. It may have been true at one time. It's certainly not true now when you know, the people basically are subjected to the government, we're enslaved to the government. The government doesn't serve the people. The government serves themselves and other interests. But in any case, uh, the, the, philosoph the philosophy behind the non-aggression principle is pretty simple. That basically says this, the government should only use force, the government should only use force if someone's life uh, or person, you know, their body or property is being threatened. That's really in a nutshell. So the government should only use force if a person's uh, yeah, health, you know, their 
their body is at risk of being hurt uh, by another individual without provocation, or the property is at risk, then the government should use force. So that really, if you just would apply that, if that was applied consistently, that really blows away uh, tons of laws. I'd say I'd say the majority, the vast majority of laws would be gone. For example, all laws concerning alcohol, and certainly all laws concerning drugs. Uh, there is no constitutional basis. I'll flip from the philosophy to the actual, huh? the theoretically the highest law of the land, uh, the federal constitution. Okay, and not that the federal government was given unlimited powers, but that was you know that was a compact that uh, we now have after the Articles of uh, Confederation were illegally uh, abolished when the current Constitution was adopted. But the Constitution is the highest law of land, and a uh, very, very, very simple historical illustration to show, to show how all drug laws, all laws concerning drugs at the federal level, at the federal level, are completely legal. Because if any law is demonstrated to not have its basis, any federal law is, is demonstrated to not have a basis in the Constitution, then that law is in effect null and void. The law is not valid. So uh, there was a time in this country when they passed a law called Prohibition. There was a variety of people. It was uh, pushed, not completely, but largely by many well-meaning Christians, and they made they made alcohol illegal, federal law. At the time, there was enough comprehension that the general public had of the Constitution, there's enough under comprehension and respect for it. They realized, hey, we can't pass a federal law because there's no base in the Constitution for it. So they did what was right. They amended it. Not that the law was right. You see what I'm saying? In terms of respecting law to make it legal, they needed an amendment. And they got prohibition. And as you know, prohibition was repealed. And about the time prohibition was repealed, then uh, federal laws started to roll out some state laws against drugs had not been had not been uh, illegal so the upshot is that my point is very very simple it's very easy to understand if in fact an amendment to the US Constitution was needed to make alcohol illegal then an amendment would be needed to make drugs illegal uh, to have any really restrictions on drugs. So the entire federal infrastructure, the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Agency, the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, there's nothing about food, incidentally, too, in the Constitution. Uh, it's, all, it's all supremely and disgustingly illegal. It's all immoral. It's not there. So getting tonight back around to the TSA, many, many laws, they say, or sometimes they'll say it overtly. Sometimes it's it's, uh, it's more implicit. They won't say it openly. But the idea philosophically that a lot, that the government can protect you from yourself is dangerous, absurd, disgusting, and repugnant. Okay, the idea that the government can pass a law at the state or federal level that you can be protected from yourself is absurd, disgusting, repugnant, and horrifying. That's why. So many laws, I mean, concerning laws concerning drugs are horrible. They're not constitutional laws concerning food. And yes, eventually, if, if yeah, the people do not gain control of, of uh, yeah, aspects of the government, we'll see the expansion uh, with Obamacare, which the Republicans 
who you know showed themselves as supreme hypocrites and liars, or Republicans all over the country ran for election or re-election, promising to repeal Obamacare. And if you haven't heard, Obamacare is still a lot of land because the Republicans love it. They love the control it has over people. And it's really a one-party system. There's not two. Uh, they just the rhetoric is different. The red the words are different. The agenda's the same. The agenda's the same. Which will bring us uh, back to Donald J. Trump tonight. Um, we we have this idea of the government protecting us from ourselves. Impossible. Impossible. And there will be increasing measures to do that in terms of food. What would happen is over time they say, okay, well, sir, ma'am, you know, you're overweight or you have high blood pressure, you have, you have diabetes. I can sell you this pizza, but there's going to be a surcharge of 50, 60, whatever, 70%, or maybe it'll be 500% because the government will decide they have a right to protect you from yourself. So by giving a merchant far more money, regardless of, you know, tax that the government gets enriching the government then somehow you become healthy you, you see this at play in New Jersey too they uh, New Jersey was is known you know what the New World Order does they'll beta test a lot of really really horrible laws on the east and east and west coast that's why in California you got this pediatrician this uh, this enemy of, of the Republic dr. Penn that pushed uh, to to remove all waivers for uh, for vaccines for children, yeah, pediatrician did that, and uh, so that happens in California. So they worked themselves in in from the country from both the east and west coast. So you see a lot of abominable and horrible laws in New York and New Jersey, but New Jersey DMV is legendary uh, for just you know, oppressing people. In other states like North Carolina, where I live now, um, the inspection is done privately. So I think there should be no inspections, but at least it's done privately. So I guess you could say with car inspections, you could say, well, you're not protecting a person from themselves, but you know you're sharing the roads. So then theoretically, you know you could become a you could become a liability to someone else. So the government has uh, the government has a need allegedly to then inspect your vehicle. And again, the free market always solves all that because if you drive around the car and the car. Uh, is it maintained by you well? You're driving dangerously. You hit someone. You harm someone. Then you, as a driver, should be responsible. Case closed. Whether or not you have insurance, but not the government imposes itself. Also, the idea that they force you to get automobile insurance. Okay, saying it's the you know, it's a public good involved. Again, if it was 100% voluntary, immediately, uh, I think we would be safer. But certainly. Uh, Insurance would cost less overnight, and uh, we also have these in, in, we also have these things enforced like no uh, no st- the state decides who could uh, who could sell insurance. Okay, P- people can't cross all state lines. You see that in healthcare, but also even, even things like uh, property and casualty with cars and homes. Getting back to the TSA, uh, the real question tonight is why has the TSA done what they've done? We see what they've done. If you follow the news since 9/11, since the TSA was created as part of the bigger abomination of the Department of Homeland Security, which does really sound, yeah, like it's from Nazi Germany, homeland, the homeland. They said, they said the fatherland. We said homeland. Uh, as part of that abomination, uh, you know, the TSA came to existence. 
you know, what have they done? If you followed the, if you followed the story over the years since then, uh, it's gotten increasingly worse. It's gotten increasingly worse. Back then, after 9-11 occurred in 2001, I knew virtually nothing about the original intent of the Constitution. I knew virtually nothing uh, about the concept of globalism. I knew nothing about you know, the plans for a North American Union to merge the U.S. with Canada and Mexico and route to global government. We already have that in the EU, where we have, we have regional government with the uh, European Union. And yes, there's you know very detailed plans for a North American Union. That's what NAFTA was about, not just trade. You know, then there would be an Asian Union, African Union, and route to a global government. I knew none of this back then, but I remember seeing myself or asked myself some questions after 9/11. And I said, Why is there this fixation? Why is there this fascination with airport security? And of course, I knew, you know, the the attacks occurred, uh, you know, allegedly in in, in Valda. You know, people getting by airport security. And uh, if you've heard me say it before, I say it again, 9-11 was an inside job. Uh, no plane hit World Trade Center 7 fell at free fall speed. Uh, that was no plane that hit it. That was controlled demolition, as was the case with the more complex controlled demolition of the Twin Towers, I would add. And uh, I'd point you towards many, many sites online. You go to AE 9-11 Truth, Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth. You go WT. C7.net, WTC7.net. See a lot of good stuff as far as controlled demolition. But I digress. But even if you did believe the official conspiracy theory, and yes, it is it is conspiracy theory. Everyone believes conspiracy theory about 9/11. Don't let someone say if if you don't believe that you know 19 hijackers uh, controlled by a guy in Dallas in the cave pulled off 9/11 that they were able to thwart every U.S. intelligence agency, every, mil- every U.S. military intelligence agency, every foreign intelligence agency, and uh, the FBI. If you believe that really happened, uh, I just say this. That's a conspiracy theory. In other words, you're believing the official conspiracy theory, which is that uh, a guy named Osama bin Laden, who had been a known CIA asset, incidentally, known CIA asset when... Uh, the Mujahideen, which became Al-Qaeda or Al-Qaeda, when the Mujahideen were fighting in Afghanistan, fully, largely funded uh, and controlled by the CIA. Uh, Al-Qaeda meant the base, incidentally. Uh, he, was, uh, he was a CIA asset. But then the official story says he turned against the U.S. due to U.S. activity in Saudi Arabia and uh, went rogue. You know, Started this Al Qaeda thing, which had been the Mujahideen. Uh, you can see that you see that video with Ronald Reagan with Mujahideen in the White House. And he says these are the same. Some of the effect where Ronald Reagan said these men were cut from the same cloth as founding fathers. <laughs> I I don't know if Reagan was senile or if he really believed that. I don't know. He was never the same after he was shot. But in any case, uh, the official conspiracy conspiracy theories that Osama bin Laden controlled this massive plot with 19 hijackers, mostly from Saudi Arabia. And then after 9-11, the U.S. didn't invade Saudi Arabia. The U.S. went after uh, went after Afghanistan. Uh, they were able to get past every U.S. intelligence agency, including the military intelligence agencies, the FBI, and NORAD, North American Air Defense, uh, and every foreign intelligence agency, and pull off the most spectacular uh, terrorist attacks in U.S. history. 
U.S. saw. So that's the conspiracy theory that Osama bin Laden conspired. Yes, the word conspired, and led the, led this outfit to get that done. The more the more probable conspiracy theory, when you look at the facts, that uh, the towers didn't come down in the controlled the towers didn't come down due to jet fuel. The towers came down due to controlled demolition, as did World Trade Center 7. Uh, and then we probably had a U.S. jet shot down uh, the, the other plane, the last plane over Shanksville, PA. That plane was uh, either going to Washington or to New York, one or the other, I'm not sure. But that was probably shot down by a U.S. jet. Uh, someone didn't obey the stand-down order. In any case, uh, that's the more probable explanation when you look at the physical evidence. It was controlled demolitions. 9-11 was an inside job. Many, many good documentaries you can see out there. I would check out Loose Change and Loose Change Final Cut. And uh, it may have been pulled. There was a really good one, too, called 9-11 Mysteries Demolitions. That may have been pulled, though. That was very good. If that's still out there, you find that on YouTube or maybe YouTube somewhere else. So getting back to the TSA, I was fascinated that after all this happened, then I see, you know, why? I'm thinking to myself, why are they, you know, going after people's nail clippers? I mean, could you, could you really take over a plane with, with, uh, you know, a fingernail clipper? I mean, could you do it? I mean, you could stab someone, but could you really, could you really actually commandeer a plane? Not to mention the fact that, to me, it was obvious after 9/11, everyone. Uh, believed, you know, these planes were hijacked. So I th think after that, if anyone ever acted up on a plane where they went towards cockpit, and this did happen once or twice, I didn't pull up the articles, you know, that person would get a serious hurting. They'd get a serious beating. That did happen a few times. So I was saying, why? Why is all this fascination? Why, why are they going after people's nail clippers? Why are they basically saying they were coming up with some rules that appeared to me to to me, to be arbitrary and capricious. Why are they saying you can't get on a plane with more than you know, you know, four ounces of liquid or something like that? And they were throwing it. I remember I got on one plane once and had some shampoo. You know, I had to trash it. Uh, and the other thing, the other thing that you know, I've said this before. The other thing that amazed me, which really got me to think differently about the government, about what happened, and to you know, look at history and the rule of law, the Constitution, a lot of other things, was this: if this war on terror was real. And, I mean, logically and rationally, you can't declare war on ideology or on policy. You can't declare war on a tactic. Okay, you can't go into all dictionaries and eliminate the word. It's just, it's but if you, buy, if you buy this unending war on terror, I mean, you can never say when it, would be, when it would be over. Okay, so it's also an illegal war. Article 1, Section 8, Clause 11, Congress has to declare war. Hasn't happened since Romania as part of World War II, incidentally. Uh, but even if you bought in, if you buy into this war on terror, a war on ideology, a war on or and or a war on a tactic, uh, you got those problems. You know when when does it end? Uh, you, know, you can't you can't say it's meant to be forever. But the, the the thing that hit me like a ton of bricks then is if this war on terror is real, then why is the border with Mexico still up? So in other words, if you have if you have this you have this colossal problem of terrorism, which is, yeah, yeah, the boogeyman was created after 9-11. I mean, I'm not, the attacks are real, but again, 
they let <laughs> it was a false leg. I mean, yeah, the, 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 the government basically attacked itself uh, with certain objectives. So, uh, if you thought it was real, the first thing you do would be secure the borders because if you had these terrorists working overtime, they just wouldn't care about planes. They just come across the border, and there's tons of people other than Mexicans that have and are crossing the border. And it's fascinating to me from then when George W. Bush was in office till today with Donald J. Trump, and you know, Trump used a lot of rhetoric saying he wants to secure the borders, and that's also fraudulent. Okay, And I've said before, and I say it again, if Mr. Trump was serious as a businessman, uh, it'd be really easy to secure the borders. You shut down uh, the 50-odd Mexican consulates that exist primarily, almost exclusively, to foster illegal immigration because they issue this magical card that means nothing in Mexico but means a lot in the States called the matricular consulate. See, in Mexico, you can't open up a bank account with a matricular consulate card, but you can in the United States. So what you do if Mr. Trump was real and he's not, he's a fraud, you would do couple of things that would cost next to nothing. Uh, you'd shut down all the Mexican consulates. Very few would be open. And then you'd also pass a federal law if you want to use the federal club. It's a federal matter. You basically say, okay, uh, if there are some Mexican consulates left and they do issue this matricular consulate card, the matricular consulate card in the U.S. means exactly what it does in the home country. In Mexico it means nothing. You can't open up a bank account. It means nothing. As far as as far as gaining uh, identity to do financial transactions, it means absolutely nothing. The other thing that Mr. Trump could do is go businessman if he was a complete fraud and a total sellout, and told in the world orders this. He'd say, "Okay, we know for a fact, you know, there's millions of illegal aliens in the United States. They've been saying, you know, they've been saying like 12 million people are illegal in the United States, you know, since before 9/11. Okay, so I, we don't know exactly. I'd say." Conservative estimate would be 30 million easily, but we know for a fact they're using uh, Western Union and you know businesses like that to trend, to wire funds back home. Okay, very simple. Just say okay, federal law again. You want to you want to use the federal club to fix this. Very very simple. Uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna wire transfer money out of the country, you need a valid passport. Kind of solves it. If not, you could still do it. But then there's just going to be a 50 or 70 or 80 percent surcharge, and you just get you just get people adhere illegally, to peacefully self-deport. But what he's talking about, what Mr. Trump's talking about, it makes great headlines, and it serves the purposes of the powers that they shouldn't be, and that's to divide us. Because he's talking about a wall that's never going to be built, and so we don't have to worry about Mexico paying for it because it's never going to be built, and the wall itself wouldn't solve it because you got the people here. But again, those those measures would very effectively control the boards. Didn't happen, so the TSA gets rolled out, and immediately they start, uh, in my in my mind, harassing ha- harassing uh, air travelers. They immediately start to do that. Um, Pudgy Pudgy has a family show, and I'm his guest host. So yeah, I normally don't share say things that are explicit or graphic. So by chance, if any children are listening. I would say they shouldn't really listen to the rest of the program. Do certain things I'm going to say. So just, you know, just a friendly warning. You know, there's certain things I'm going to say of an explicit nature involving the crimes of the TSA uh, that children, uh, I would say, should not hear. The TSA gets rolled out, and then 
yeah, the idea is, you know, the government's going to involve, uh, the government's going to do it, they're going to do it better, okay? So it's always, it's always for our safety. It's always for our safety, okay? So I'm going to go back. Uh, first thing here is uh, somewhere explicit. I'm going to talk, talk about a piece from June 1st, 2011, okay? So you had 9-11-2001, so slap on 10 years, okay? Slap on 10 years for this, what had happened. Uh, this is from the Smoking Gun, and uh, that article was, again, June 1st, 2011. The name of the title was, the title of the article was Tiny Payout in TSA Breast Exposure Lawsuit. Tiny Payout in TSA Breast Exposure Lawsuit. Texas Woman 24 was paid $2,350 to settle airport frisking claim. Okay. The U.S. government, I'm reading from the article, paid a paltry $2,350 to settle a lawsuit brought by a Texas woman who sued the TSA, uh, Transportation Security Administration, after her breasts were exposed during a vigorous frisking at a Texas airport. In response to a Freedom of Information Act request, the Department of Justice released a copy of the settlement agreement reached earlier this year with Lindsay Murley, the 24 24-year-old Amarillo woman who sued the TSA for negligence and intentional infliction of emotional distress in connection with the May 2008 incident at the Corpus Christi Airport. Okay, so this goes back to 2008, but they're reporting the settlement in June of 2011. The eight-page agreement notes that the settlement does not constitute an admission by government officials of any liability, fault, or wrongdoing. Okay, so you know, why, why pay anything? It also stipulates that legal fees paid to Morley's lawyers were not to exceed 25% of the settlement amount. Morley charged in a lawsuit that she was singled out for extended search procedures and then a TSA agent frisked her and, quote, pulled plaintiff's blouse completely down, exposing plaintiff's breast to everyone in the area. TSA employees, Morley added, quote, joked and laughed about the incident for an extended period of time. After leaving the security line to be consoled by an acquaintance who had brought her to the airport, Murley returned to the line where a male TSA worker said he had wished he was there when she first passed through. The employee, Murley recalled, added that he would just have to watch the video. The incident left Murley extremely embarrassed and humiliated, according to her complaint. In January, when U.S. District Court filings revealed that a settlement had been reached, TSG requested a document. Uh, smoking Gun had requested a copy of the document memorializing the deal as well as the amount of money paid to Murley. However, Kevin... Kathy Colvin, a spokesman for the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Northern District of Texas, refused to provide the agreement or any details about the settlement. So that's why they got the FOIA request for information. So you have a 24-year-old girl whose breasts were completely exposed, and then um, she gets laughed at at so the TSA. No one, no one loses their job, and no one, no one loses their job over that. that that's uh, that's the TSA. And uh, if you want to think that's an isolated incident, if you think, yeah, okay, I'm on the, uh, yeah, I'm doing a show, so I want to be sensationalistic. I want to search and search and search, and yeah, just just find stuff that that's extreme. Okay, that was real. You go back further to a 2004. Uh, you go for 2004. This is from uh, San Diego Union Tribune. October 10, 2004, piece. A new, law, a new layer of security at the nation's airports last month caught a Mira Mesa, California woman by surprise. Now Ava King wants other women to know just how uncomfortable the, quote, secondary screening, end quote, process can become. Kings, for 36, was traveling back to San Diego from Denver International Airport with a three-month-old son when she was flagged, flagged for a pat-down search, possibly because of an expired 
driver's license. That's great. They say possibly. She took the procedure in stride until the female TSA uh, screener announced, I'm going to feel your breast now. That's the direct quote. I'm going to feel your breast now. Kingsford, wearing a snug-fitting tank top, objected to what she considered an unduly invasive search. More security agents arrived, warned her that she couldn't board her flight without submitting to the final step of the search. The situation escalated. Then she, the woman was quoted as saying, I was crying, I was shaking, she said, and just after she tugged down the top of my shirt, just a bit to show that she wasn't hiding anything, the agents told her she wasn't going anywhere. She ended up renting a car for a two-day drive home. It was unbelievable, Kingsher said. I think there's a line they cannot cross. But TSA officials say the screeners did nothing wrong, and that Kingsford experience reflects a brutal new reality in passionate checkpoint screening. Okay. The idea is, no matter what what the TSA does, we have to submit to it. We have to obey to it. If we want to fly, we have to do it, no matter what they do. It's really what it comes down to. That's what, and yeah, again, that's that's back in that's back in 2004. Uh, there, there's other stories. There's other stories I would mention too. Again, in in big picture, uh, in the big picture of all this, what you see is the government is saying that they have to do this to keep us safe. Okay, so theoretically, they wouldn't be safe from ourselves. It's safe from terrorists. Okay, it's safe from terrorists. Now, that begs the question: Then, why do we have illegal aliens on a regular basis, you know, raping and murdering U.S. citizens? They don't get here on planes most of the time. They just they get across the border, and some are deported multiple times. You can see those issues. See those articles all over the place. You could do. Do a web search on Breitbart. Just say illegal aliens rape, illegal aliens murder U.S. citizens. And see what you come up with. Uh, they keep on saying that the searches have to get more invasive. If you remember the history of this, they had come out with, with uh, a naked body scanner that was shown to be completely worthless. Uh, that is, they did. They came with a with naked body scanner that was shown to be completely worthless. I'm going to quote a piece from Wired.com, August 20, 20, 2014. Two years ago, a blogger named Jonathan Corbett, he was an engineer who's an activist, and uh, he published a YouTube video that seemed to show a face palm where these vulnerability in TSAs, rapid scans, full body x ray scanners. Those are the same scanners that uh, Israel said were completely worthless, but didn't say why. Because metal detected by the scanners appeared black in the images they created, he claimed that any passenger could hide a weapon on the side of his or her body to render it invisible against the scan's black background. The TSA dismissed Corbett's findings and even called reports to caution them not to cover his video. Now a team of security researchers from the University of California, San Diego, the University of Michigan, and Johns Hopkins plans to reveal their own results for months of testing that same model of scanner. And not only did they find that Corbett's weapon hiding tactic worked. They also found that they could pull off a disturbing list of other possible tricks, such as using Teflon tape to conceal weapons against someone's spine, installing malware on the scanner's console that spoofs scans, or simply molding plastic explosives around the person's body to make it nearly indistinguishable from flesh in the machine's images. The rapid scan secure 1,000 machines the researchers tested haven't actually been used in their portions last year, so that's going back to 2013, when they were replaced by millimeter wave scanners designed to better protect passengers' privacy. 
but the X-ray scanners are still installed in jail, and courthouses, jails, and other government security checkpoints around the country. Okay, so yeah, my my proposition is okay. We know what they've done. We'll talk about more some more of the you know, egregious violations of people's privacy and their their body, their person. When someone says they have to touch your body, okay, if this isn't someone, you know, you're you're pretty much you know a family member. If you're hugging someone, or beyond that, if you're married, you know something something is deeply wrong with this. If someone says they have to do this, particularly if they're saying it's it's for it's for safety. Uh, this is this is classic prisoner training. This is classic prisoner training. They're trying to attempt to break the public's will. I know a lot of people. I'm on the category. I don't have to travel to make a living. A lot of people do, and you really have no choice then, uh, unless you know, you drive everywhere if you could afford to do that in terms of time, not just the money. And they're breaking your will. This is you're guilty before you're innocent, and this has absolutely nothing to do with security. It has absolutely nothing to do with security. As Jonathan Corbett pointed out in, the, in these researches, that one scanner meant absolutely nothing. It was completely fraudulent and could be broken. All we need simply, we don't need any evasive pat-downs. If invasive pat-downs, all they need to do is just to go back to simple metal scanners. In other words, if an object is going to get on a plane or anywhere else for that matter, that's going to cause some mayhem. It's going to be metal. Yeah, it's not going to be a wooden object. Okay, it's going to be metal. It's going to be metal, knife, gun. It's metal. It's going to be metal. But it's not about keeping us safe. Once again, if it was about keeping us safe, then the borders would have been secured a very, very, very long time ago, and that has not happened. So they're attempting to break our will, and uh, this is this is extremely disturbing. The the screenings continue to become more and more invasive. Okay. That that was the case, you know, from Bush to Obama, or you know, Barack Hussein Obama, aka Barry Saturo, to now Donald John Trump. Continues to get more invasive. Same script, yeah, uh, yeah, same form, fit, and function, different suit in the White House. Same thing. Continues to get more and more and more invasive. What they're doing. Uh, recent piece, recent piece, in May May 25th, 2018. The TSA will get friendly with your thigh, even if it did nothing wrong. Okay, that's, that's the name of the piece from the Weekly Standard General neoconservative site. TSA will get friendly with your thigh, even if it did nothing wrong. I'm going to read part part of that piece. Okay, just part of that. A TSA inspector explained to me, it was written firsthand by the writer. TSA that was uh, Christie in the Weekly Standard. TSA inspector explained to me how he was going to run his hands up and down my legs in a manner of unwelcome and quite awful foreplay. The Weekly Standard's John McCormick wrote last September, Christine was a writer, uh, describing this with John McCormick, about his interaction with the TSA's new, quote, enhanced, end quote, pat-down procedure, wherein an, where an agent, quote, runs his hand inside a passenger's waistband and also runs his hand up the back of each leg until he meets resistance and then does the same from the front of each leg. John, who is among the most genial people humankind is capable of producing, was randomly selected for his inspection. I, on a recent trip from Jackson, Hartsville International, was not. The advanced imaging technology scanner at, this, at the security checkboard detected something amiss on my person. Again, this is all theater. This, I'm, yeah, it's my commentary now, not the article. All you need is a metal detector. You know, all these, all these image scanners, all complete 
complete security theater. As ProPublica reported in 2011, a potential threat is indicated by a yellow box that shows up roughly where the software detected on the right angle, for example, or the left elbow, for me, it was my back. It follows that isolating such an area would allow travelers to forego the unpleasant experience of being felt up indiscriminately, or as John wrote, right over the zip area of one's gap outlet, comfort stretch khakis. If the imaging produces a yellow box only over the, black, over the back, and the agent explains it as such, then clearly the back is the place of concern. The person already has held the mid-jumping jack pose inside the fancy phone booth and had all the bodily areas, including left ankle, the head, shoulders, knees, and toes, and the crotch cleared for takeoff. Okay, so everything, everything uh, conti- it continues to get worse. Okay, it's never what they have in place. It's never enough. They, uh, they just need more. Another piece, uh, August 23rd of last year. Uh, this is explicit. TSA employing even more invasive body searches. Okay, and. I'll read part. I'll read part of that piece so you see exactly firsthand what people are saying they've experienced. This is from the Charlotte Observer, North Carolina. Jenny McFarland was on the way to visit a friend in Baltimore in April when a carry-on bag triggered an alarm at Charlotte's airport. A TSA screener told McFarland she would have to undergo undergo a full body pat down by a female officer, late for her flight and with no option other than to be searched in private. McFarlane agreed. The path down done over her clothes explored her breasts, crotch, and buttocks. Quote, I did not imagine that she would ask me a few times to spread my legs wider and, in fact, touch my vagina four times with the side of her hand. McFarlane later wrote in a complaint to the CSA. The experience humiliated McFarlane, 56, a Charlotte graphic designer and part-time teacher who flies several times a year. It also left her with nagging question that millions of fellow travelers could ask, how much privacy must Americans give up in order to fly safely? Just a month before her search, the TSA had launched a new, more involved pat-down procedure. Quote, pat-downs result in the discovery of knives and other dangerous items carried on a passenger's person on a daily basis, spokesman Mike England said. And notice how they don't give, they, they won't document that. In other words, that's a crime. That should be public record if someone is attempting to do that. Where are the records? It's happening daily. Where is it? Quote, there are a valuable tool in keeping our skies safe. But some security experts question whether the screens are really effective. And civil liberties advocates say pat-downs can be nearly sexual in their intimacy. Oh, no, no, no that, that's, not, that's not nearly sexual when you touch someone a vagina four times. That is sexual. Okay? That is sexual. That is sexual designed to humiliate people and break our will. It's not about keeping you safe. I understand people need jobs, but what what a normal person, with someone who isn't a sexual degenerate, would you want to touch strangers' bodies every day for a living? I mean, I think it's a valid question. Would you want to do that? A a good argument could be made that the TSA actually attracts moral degenerates. You could really really make that argument that attracts them. And, uh, I'll quote a piece going back to 2012. Priest defrocked for child sex abuse now works for the TSA. That was the name of the article. CBS News, May 25th, 2012. Priest defrocked for child sex abuse now works for the TSA. Okay, I remember when this, I remember when, remember all these stories when they when they come out. 
CBS Philadelphia, Catholic priest, reading from the piece now, Catholic priest who's removed from the ministry over sex abuse allegations, now holds a sensitive security post at Philadelphia International Airport, CBS Philly reports. In 2002, Thomas Harkins was a Catholic priest working at churches across southern New Jersey, the station reports. But the Diocese of Camden removed him from ministry because it found he sexually abused two young girls. And that begs the question, why didn't he go to prison? Now in a new lawsuit, a third CBS woman, a third CBS woman is, is claiming she is also one of Harkins' victims. CBS Philly reports that this week it observed Harkin working as a TSA checkpoint supervisor between airport terminals D&E, where thousands of people, including lots of children, pass through every day. The new lawsuit filed in federal court against Kim, the diocese accuses Harkins of sexually abusing an 11-year-old girl 10 to 15 times in 1980 and 81, the station reported. Filed on behalf of the alleged victim, the suit alleges the abuse occurred while Harkins was a priest at St. Anthony of Padua Parish in Hamilton, New Jersey, with one alleged assault occurring in Harkins' bedroom at the rectory. They should know who they're hiring, said Karen Pulisar, spokeswoman with the Survivors Network of those abused by priests. She believes Harkins' TSA job is inappropriate. As the public, we are screened to our underwear getting on a plane, and yet they hire a man like that, she told the station. TSA official told CBS Philly Harkins' title is Transportation Security Manager Baggage, meaning he deals mostly with luggage, not passengers. I like that word, mostly. Sure, that's his title, Pulisar said. That doesn't mean that's where he stays. That doesn't mean he doesn't fill all the words, all the roles when necessary. The TSA says that all his employees go through a criminal background check before they're hired. But because the allegations are so old, criminal charges were not filed. This is uh, this is true. I mean, this is this is one type of person. I think, and <laughs> I know some people need jobs. I don't I don't deny that, but. Who person again, unless you're someone of a degenerate, who would want to touch people's strangers' bodies all day for a living? Recently, uh, there was a video that went viral, and because it's radio, I can't show the video, but you could, uh, if you do a search in duck, duckgo.com, duck, duckgo.com, or startpage.com, startpage.com, put in this tile, TSA searches 96-year-old woman. Just put that in. TSA searches 96-year-old woman. They'll also pop up on YouTube if uh, you check that out. TSA searches 96-year-old woman in Wilshire in viral video, sparking outrage. Okay, 90, 96 years old. Okay. And we quote that piece. You just get an idea what's going on. Um, this is, again, this is earlier this month. It's from the Fox News piece. Many are livid over a now viral video of TSA officials patting down a 96-year-old woman in a wheelchair at Washington Dulles Airport, International Airport in a six-minute screening being described as totally disgusting and uncalled for on Facebook. On May 15th, Jean LeBert Clarkson shared the six-minute clip to the social network of her non-Nigerian mother, Evelyn LeBert, being screened in her wheelchair by two female TSA security agents at the Virginia Airport. Quote, the three of us were all in, wheelchair, all in wheelchairs. Only my 96-year-old mother was subjected to this prolonged repetitive search. Clarkson, Clarkson captioned the clip, which has since been viewed nearly 9 million times in a heated debate. In the footage, the two TSA staffers politely explained the search to Le as they screened her 
asking her to remove her windbreaker before giving her a full pat down from her hair to her sneakers, asking her to redistribute her weight at one point so that an officer could inspect underneath her. Quote, I am my mother's legal guardian and responsible for her well-being. I went through security. When I saw that they had pulled mother aside to search her, I tried asking why. They ignored me. And that's always the case, incidentally. That's always the case. They, they, yeah, you mean nothing. You're trash, you're cattle, you're food for them. You mean nothing. They're just going to do whatever they want to you if you want to travel, if you want to fly. That upset me, so I began videoing what they were doing to document my complaint that I intended to file. I have traveled exten- extensively and never seen anything like this. Mother had traveled with me before and never had been groped like this, she added. Now, uh, okay, if you're going to take the contrary position, and yeah, for for some reason, okay, you wanna, if you want to trust the federal government, I'm not sure why, but if you want to do that, you want to say, okay, it, it's it, it's to keep us safe, okay? You don't say, all right, you're not protecting, you're not protecting us from ourselves in this instance. They're protecting they're protecting you from other people that could be dangerous, okay? I already, I already should, you know, had documented evidence that. The scanners they used to use were completely fraudulent. Uh, it's simple logic. Okay, it's irrefutable. The good old metal scanners without anyone touching your body work really, really well. It's old technology. works well because, once again, someone gets on a plane. Okay, it's going to be something with metal that's going to cause mayhem. It's not going to be something that's, that's, uh, that's wood. Okay? If you really believe this, Okay, if you honestly believe, okay, well, you have to touch people's breasts. You've got to touch women's vaginas. You've got, you've got to grow up a 96-year-old woman. If you really, really believe this, okay, understand what you're saying, okay, in terms of logic, okay, in terms of logic. Understand exactly what you're saying in terms of logic, all right? I, I pulled up, and you know, I, I, I heard about one or two of these cases. I pulled up three, Okay. If you really believe that, that you believe this is necessary, and again, this is, it's a colossal lie. It's security theater. It's designed to break our will. has nothing to do with keeping us safe. If you, believe it's, if you honestly believe it's true, understand what you're saying. What you're advocating for then is we would need full cavity searches of everyone that travels on a plane. Okay? That's what you really. That's what. That's what you need. It's understand what you're saying. Understand what what you're saying. If you really believe this TSA filth, this TSA molestation of men and women, particularly women, if you believe this is justified, then we'll need full cavity searches. Why? Because I'm going to quote three pieces, three separate women, that hid loaded guns inside their vaginas. Okay, three times, three just pieces I pulled up. Woman, yes were found after they were arrested, then they found loaded guns inside their vaginas. Okay. First one I'm going to quote is from a Tennessee woman in April twenty April twenty third, two thousand fourteen piece. Cops find loaded gun in Tennessee woman's vagina. This is all over the internet. This is a New York Daily News piece. That's no place to pack a pistol. A Tennessee woman being booked for driving with suspended license was slapped with weapons charges after cops found a loaded gun in her vagina. Dallas Archer 19 was arrested at around 3.15 p.m. Monday and brought to, King, brought to Kingsport Jail, where cops found a tiny gun concealed in private parts, cops said. A female cop was performing a routine search when she noticed an unknown object in Archer's groin. 
she knew the female officer and took the, the blonde perp into the bathroom, and that's when that's when they discovered the four-inch North American Arms 22 caliber revolver. Okay, there's there's one case. Okay, like I said, just I, I had heard I, I remember two of these and I found three when I was prepping for the show. Woman, this other one is a CBS News piece. September 9th, 2015, woman had loaded a gun in her vagina when arrested. Okay, woman had loaded a gun in her vagina when she was arrested. Okay, here we go. Uh, CBS, CBS News. Waco, Texas, woman arrested during a late-night traffic stop in Waco, Texas, allegedly had a loaded handgun hidden in her vagina, reports CBS affiliate KWTX. Officers arrested Ashley Cecilia Castaneda, 31, and Gabriel Garcia, 30, during a traffic stop Monday night after allegedly finding 2.7 grams of methamphetamine hidden under the driver's seat of the vehicle and another 29.9 grams of meth in a purse along with a set of digital scales. Waco Sergeant W. Patrick Swanton told KWTX Tuesday that as police were taking the two suspects to jail, Kessney told an officer she had a handgun concealed inside her vagina. Officers immediately stopped, and a female officer searched Castaneda, discovering she had, in fact, placed a loaded Smith & Wesson pistol inside her body cavity. The weapon had a round chamber and a full magazine of bullets. Okay. Now, in this one, it was interesting. She was charged with everything, but then they had dropped that. So I guess if you're a naysayer, you could say, since the police do lie at times, they lied about that one. The other one, though, I mean, that was you know, that was the lie. Uh, the first one. One more. Okay. And one more. Woman gets two years for gun and body cavity. Woman gets two years for gun, gun and body cavity. This is from June 14th, 2018. Okay. Uh, on the smoking gun, a woman who had a loaded handgun hidden in her vagina at the time for arrest last year has been sentenced to two years in state prison on weapons and heroin possession charges. Illinois court records show. Uh, Anika Witt, 27, was sentenced last month after pleading guilty to a pair of felony charges as part of a plea agreement that required her to testify against the co-defendant. Jellison arrest last September, which faced a maximum of 10 years on the gun charge, 15 years for narcotics possessions, while sentenced to two years in state prison, which has been credited for the amount she spent in the Clayton County lockup. Which uh, 380 caliber Kimber handgun was not discovered by investigators until she was subjected to a strip search while being booked into a county jail. Okay, I'm going to repeat that. Which 380 caliber Kimber handgun was not discovered by investigators until she was subjected to a strip search while being booked into a county jail. Okay, so if you believe in this filthy TSA security theory of nonsense, okay, if you believe it, again, it's a colossal lie. Security theater has nothing to do with keeping us safe. It's completely unnecessary. If you believe it again, understand what you're saying. Then you you really have to argue for full, full cavity searches, because it is possible to hide a gun in a woman's vagina. And I said at the outset of, this, of the show is going to be explicit. Now, again, where where is all this going? Okay, I said before we're innocent. We're, we're declared guilty before we're innocent. Yeah, I said that before. We're declared uh, guilty before we're innocent. It has nothing to do, absolutely nothing to do, with keeping us safe. All these, all these, uh, tech, all these techniques, all these procedures. Okay, people putting their hands on your body, especially sensitive areas. It's all designed. It's all designed to break our will. That's what it's designed to. 
And when I talk about you know you know prisoner training and you know, being declared guilty before you're innocent, okay, I can just read a couple other headlines. New York Police Department this is from 2000, November 15, 2010. CBS piece. New York Police Department commences use of iris scans of suspects. Department spending $24,000 per unit will help 21 around the city. Okay. And then what do we find a few years later? January 25, 2017. Lo and behold, the Bloomberg piece. Eye scans are replacing airline boarding passes. Security tech firm Clear makes a big leap toward a national network, but there are still obstacles to overcome. Here's a piece from a, a FEE, Foundation for Economic Education. Welcome aboard, but first, U.S. Marshals will scan your retina. Okay? You got iris scan technology, you got retinal scan technology being rolled out. And the subtitle on this was, Quote, was this a one-time event, or are, are American citizens becoming prisoners in their own country? Okay. And I'll read from that piece, February 25th of last year. For some 15 years, airport security has become steadily more invasive. And that's an understatement. There are ever more checkpoints, ever more requests for documents as you make your way from the airport entrance to the airplane. Passengers adapt to new changes as they come. But my latest flight to Mexico, originally in Atlanta, presented all passengers with something I had never seen before. Like everyone else, I complied. What was my choice? We had already been through boarding pass checks, passport checks, scanners, and pat-downs. At the gate, each passenger had already had their ticket scanned, and we were all walking on the jet bridge to board. It's at this point that most people assume that it's all that it is all done. Finally, we can enjoy some sense of normalcy. This time was different. Halfway down the jet bridge, there was a new layer of security. Two U.S. Marshals, heavily armed and dressed in dystopian-style black regalia, stood next to an upright machine with a glowing green eye. Every passenger, one by one, was told to step on a mat and look into the green scanner. It was scanning our eyes and matching that scan with the passport, which was also scanned yet again. Like everyone else, I complied. What was my choice? I guess I could return back at the point, declined to take the flight I had paid for, but it would be unclear what would then happen. After standing there for perhaps eight seconds, the machine gave the go signal when I boarded. I talked to a few passengers about this, and others were just as shaken by the experience. They were reticent even to talk about it, as people tend to be when confronted with something like this. I couldn't find anyone who'd ever seen something like this before. I wrote friends who travel internationally, and none said they had ever seen anything like this. I will tell you how it made me feel, like a prisoner in my own country. It's one thing to control who comes into a country, but surveilling and, per and permissioning American citizens as they leave their own country, even as they're about to board or something else. Uh, this is where it's at. Uh, this, is, this is where it's going. As the U.S. continues to be subjected to, on a routine basis, rape and murder by illegal aliens from a variety of countries. The U.S. travelers are subjected to sexual molestation, and now retinal and iris scans. The way they're going to roll out is like this. That was an, that was an international flight. They're going to basically, uh, this is a psyop, psychological operation, like this writer said, uh, when he said, quote, I talked to a few passengers about this, and others were just as shaken by the experience. They were, they, were, they were reticent even to talk about it as people tend to be confronted with something like this. So when you have a traumatic experience like that, it, it, does, it, messes, it messes with you. It messes with your mind. It's designed to. But this is part of the process. designed so that it gets easier next time. 
you know, it gets easier next time. And a lot of people, and through abuse, I mean, that's that's they say, you know, abuse counseling, it's just you know, your defenses go down, and you know, just get gets easier next time. They're going to roll us out in international flights, and then it'll be domestic flights. And if we don't stop it, uh, we'll see, we'll see checkpoints in between U.S. states. Oh yeah, you, you think I'm exaggerating? You, you you think you think I'm exaggerating that there wouldn't be domestic checkpoints in the United States? I'm going to quote from a piece, 2011, 2011. Quote: The name of the article from the LA Times was "TSA screens aren't just for airports anymore." Roving security teams are increasingly visit train stations, subway, and other mass transit sites to deter terrorism. Critics say it's largely political theater. Uh, Rick Vetter was rushing to board the Amtrak train in Charlotte on a recent Charlotte, North Carolina, on a recent Sunday afternoon when a canine officer suddenly blocked away. Three federal air marshals in bulletproof vest and two officers trained. To spot some suspicious behavior, watch closely as Seiko, a German shepherd, knows better trousers for chemical traces of a bomb. Radiation detectors carried by the marshals scanned the 57-year-old lawyer for concealed nuclear materials. When Seiko indicated assent, his handler, Julian Swarmigan, asked Vetter whether he had pets at home in Garner, North Carolina. Two months later, replied, you can go ahead, Swarmigan said. The TSA isn't just in airports anymore. TSA teams are increasingly conducting searches and screenings at train stations, subways, ferry terminals, and other mass transit locations around the country. We are not the airport, trans- we are not the airport security administration, said Ray Deneen, the air marshal in charge of TSA office in Charlotte. We take that trans- transportation part seriously. You know, it was a couple of years ago, and uh, yeah, I, haven't, I stopped watching the NFL over three years ago. Made that announcement on Pudgy's show, and we, uh, we did a, a show together. But uh, the the NFL started this. Uh, you know, they started they started the searches, keep everyone safe, break our will, you know, break our will. Uh, I hope you see the TSA has nothing to do with keeping us safe, nothing whatsoever. A lot of this is perspective, unfortunately, and uh, I'm never one to say, okay, you know, just part of you know a certain age group, you know, there. Yeah, they're basically they're 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 deceived. You know, they don't see it, but there is something to be said about you know the more people are hooked on to their smartphones and stuff. Just as an anecdote, uh, before I close the show, I was speaking with someone I work with who's uh, is a young girl from Hawaii, and uh, I mentioned in passing some of this how yeah TSA was a large security theater. I, I saw a look on her face; she was she was horrified, and she basically said, "Yeah, I I trust them." I mean, that sort of thing. I, I trust them. You know, that's that's to keep us safe. Like, okay, yeah, yeah. If you get pulled over and you know, someone wants to, then yeah, basically fill your breast and your vagina. Consider that safety. Consider being safe. Uh, what's the takeaway from this? We have to we have to push back again. I know some people have to have to do air travel. If you don't. Uh, yeah, I would not. <laughs> I have not been on a plane in, in in a long time, and I'm not going to subject myself to to this type of thing. Uh, if we don't push back, we know it's going to get worse. Has gotten increasingly worse since 2011. I hope you see logically, even if you believed that the TSA was on your side, even if you want to believe the federal government and all all the horrible infrastructure destroying our liberties that they rolled out since 9/11. Even if you believe that's real, hopefully you see 
the logical fallacy. Hopefully you see it's completely ridiculous because if you don't, then you're going to really, really have to say everyone flying has got to be subjected to a full cavity search because one may be having those guns in their vaginas. You've been listening to the KIRP radio show last, last Friday night of the month with your guest host, Rocco P. Once again, I thank Pudgy Miller for the opportunity to use his platform at least once a month. Lord willing, I will be back next month. Last Friday of July will be Friday, July 27th. Thanks again for listening to KRP Radio Show. KRP Radio! Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.